Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. It's good to be back. I see all your smiling faces. I want to welcome everyone here in the room, everyone watching online as well. And my wife and I, we've been on vacation the last couple of weeks, went up to Wyoming, got to see Yellowstone. Anybody here ever been to Yellowstone? Is that like a slice of heaven on earth or what? It's an incredible time, but it's good to be back. All right, so this morning we are launching into a new series called Live Like There's No Tomorrow. And we're actually wrapping up this awesome book of First Thessalonians. And in the last part of the book, Paul kind of shifts gears and he talks about the rapture. He talks about the end times, and then he talks about how we should live our lives in light of those powerful truths. And basically, Paul calls us all to live like there's no tomorrow. Now, have you ever noticed, if you watch a scary or suspenseful movie more than once, it's never quite the same the second time around? You know, that's not nearly as scary, is it? And that's because you know how it turns out in the end. You know what happens to each character in every scenario, and so it's not as frightening in the moment. Well, in the same way, the study of Bible prophecy, what God says about the future, should be a source of confidence for us as Christians. Our world is filled with frequent dangers, frightening experiences, and a lot of people are biting their nails, wondering if they're going to survive. But a knowledge of God's program for the future eliminates anxiety. It helps us to have assurance. As the old gospel song says, I've read the end of the book and we win, right? (laughs) Amen. So this week and next, what we're going to do is we're going to explore God's plan for the future. And I think in light of today's chaotic world, it should be a source of tremendous encouragement for us as Christians. Now this week, we're going to take a look at a glorious promise that wasn't revealed until the New Testament epistles were written back in the first century. It's the promise of the rapture of the church. And I want you to listen carefully to Paul's words here. Paul says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Okay, so in this text, Paul talks about a resurrection, a rapture, a reunion, and a response. And let's begin with the resurrection. Paul says that one day there will be a resurrection of Christians who have died. Look back at verse 13. Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. See, the Thessalonians believed that Jesus was coming back in their generation And so some of them were grieving over Christian friends who had already died. You know, when loved ones passed away before Christ's return, they wondered, where were they? 
Like, would they be a part of the same type of eternal life as us? Would they receive a glorified body like those who are raptured from the earth? And Paul says, I don't want you to be burdened with grief over those who have fallen asleep. And that phrase, fall asleep or fallen asleep, there's the Greek word koimeo. And it can be used of natural sleep or physical death. In the context here, I think it's pretty clear that he's talking about physical death. You may remember that when Lazarus was dead for four days, Jesus said he's simply asleep. Now, that doesn't mean that the spirit is unconscious in the afterlife. Okay, the spirit is not the one that's sleeping. The spirit is not sleeping. It's the body that's sleeping. 2 Corinthians 5.8, Paul says, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. He talks about when I'm absent from the body, I'm going to be present with the Lord. You may remember that Jesus said to the thief on the cross, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Like Not when I return, I'm going to take you to be with me, but right now, today. See, the spirit lives on, but the body sleeps. So Paul said, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. See, the world doesn't offer a lot of hope, does it? Many people in our world just think the world is an endless cycle. There is no hope. A guy by the name of H.L. Minken said this. He said, man is just a sick fly on a dizzy wheel. He says, one generation dies and the next generation takes over. One nation falls and another rises. Life is a merry-go-round with people getting on and off at different intervals. That's it. No hope. Well, Paul says, I don't want you guys, the believers, to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Now, you need to understand, there's a difference between a wish and a hope, a wish about a future and the hope for the future. See, if it's not built on truth and certainty, it's just a wish. It's not a hope. But biblical hope is something you can be absolutely certain of. See, the Bible teaches that Jesus is going to return first at the rapture and then at his second coming. First to take the church out of the world, and then after seven years of tribulation, he'll return to judge the world. You know, when Jesus was taken back up into heaven, the angel at his ascension said, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Well, can we really believe that? Well, Paul assures us that it's a fact, just like the resurrection is a fact. Verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, this is something kind of cool to think about. I don't think a lot of people think about this. When Jesus returns, he's bringing back all those who have already died in Christ. See, they're coming back to get their glorified bodies along with the believers who are still alive here on earth. And Paul describes how it's going to happen in verses 15 and 16. He says, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still asleep, or still alive rather, who are left to the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. All right, so the rapture will begin with three audible attention-getting signs. And they kind of announce Jesus' arrival. Now, there are some similarities like the trumpet blast between the signs of Jesus' coming at the rapture and his coming at the second coming. But don't confuse the two. There are also vast differences, right? There's, there's a rapture that's going on here, and you don't want to confuse that with Jesus' second coming that he describes in Matthew 24. Here, Jesus is coming to gather his saints. In the future, he's coming back to judge the world and reign over the world 
with his saints. Okay, so two different events. We'll talk about the other one next week. But at the rapture, first of all, it says there's going to be a loud command. Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Okay, the term loud command or shout here, keliusama in the Greek. It's a military term, only occurs one time in the New Testament, right here. And what it means is to order or command using a stimulating cry. It was used as a command for animals to to rouse them, to summon them to do something, such as a horse by a charioteer or a, a hound by a hunter or maybe a husband by his wife, something along those lines, okay? All sorts of context there. It was also used as a signal. So like, for instance, a rower would get the signal from the master of the ship. A soldier would get a signal from a commanding officer. Basically, what it's saying here is Jesus is going to give an order, and the Spirit's going to be united with the body, only we will get a perfect glorified body. That's going to be awesome. We'll talk about that in a second. A second sound will be the voice of the archangel. Verse 16 says, Jesus will come with the voice of the archangel. You know, in our society today, when someone important comes on the scene, usually they're introduced by another, like ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. Well, I wonder if when Jesus comes at the rapture, the voice of the archangel will be, ladies and gentlemen, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we don't know for sure, but there's going to be some kind of awesome declaration. And then finally, we have the trumpet call of God. Now, if you know the Old Testament, you know that a trumpet blast often accompanied a divine manifestation. There was a trumpet when God came down and gave the law at Mount Sinai. When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, a trumpet blast would summon them to assemble together. Well, one day in the future, it's going to be a sign of both, announcing God's presence and a summons for believers to gather together. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Interesting. It's not those who remain alive here on earth who get their glorified bodies first. It's those who are in spirit form with Jesus in the clouds who will be glorified first. So again, when we die, don't mix this up, okay? When we die, immediately our soul, our spirit departs from the body and goes to be with the Lord. But we don't have our perfect glorified bodies until Jesus returns. And so sometimes people refer to this intermediate state as intermediate heaven. But at the rapture, there will be a resurrection of the bodies from the grave. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53, Paul describes this again. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. You know, sometimes people wonder, well, how in the world is God going to put all those pieces back together again? Right? They'll say, well, doesn't the body just turn into dust, dirt after years and years and years? Well, think about this. God originally made a man from the dust, right? So he can certainly resurrect a body from the dust. I mean, God is powerful enough that if you were in a nuclear explosion, he could find every single particle. Like, we're not going to be floating spirits in heaven. You and I, like Jesus, will enjoy a glorified, resurrected body for all eternity. 
And you're thinking, well, what, what is that body going to be like? We don't know for sure. But it's not going to be a ghoulish body, okay? It's going to be a glorified body, a perfect body. I'm not talking about the night of the living dead here, okay? Actually, just the opposite. We're talking about the day of the living Lord. And so some of your bodies, just go ahead and imagine whatever your body, whatever you want it to look like, go ahead and imagine that right now. Some of you may be thinner. Some of you are going to have a little more hair. Some of you have hair, right? A few less wrinkles. You always kind of wonder, is it going to be my body before I was lifting weights, after? I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. But I can promise you, I promise you it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be something to look forward to. You're not going to go, oh, God, why would you give me this body? Not going to happen. No. You can look forward to it. So the bodies of the dead in Christ will rise first, and then after that, there's going to be this rapture of all the believers who are here on earth. Let's talk about the rapture. Verse 17. It says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That phrase caught up here, Greek word arpezo, it means to seize, to carry off by force, to claim for oneself eagerly. You know, a good synonym would be to snatch. Jesus is going to snatch us up out of this world. And then everyone else will be left behind. Sounds like a good title for a book series. Huh? Should write something. Now, just imagine for a minute. Can, can we do this for a second? Can you imagine? I mean, literally, have you ever thought about what it will be like if you were here on the day of the rapture? I mean, how many of you have ever been uh, skydiving before? Raise your hand if you've been skydiving. Do we have a few? This is going to be like reverse skydiving, okay? I get the rapture. There's going to be this supernatural force that lifts us up into the sky and to our heavenly home, I mean, that's going to be a wild experience. And who knows, you and I may get to enjoy that. I know it's been a longing of many, many believers over centuries and centuries and centuries. And sometimes, you know, people will ask me, you know, what, what do you think? Well, I think right now the signs are lining up big time. If you look around our world at what's going on in our world today, in our nation, but across the globe, and then you look at what the Bible says has to occur prior to the rapture, it's getting pretty close. And we know every day it's getting closer and closer and closer. Sometimes people ask me, they'll put me on the spot, well, do you think it's going to happen in our lifetime, like in our generation? Yes, I do. But I don't know for sure, okay? People have thought that for hundreds, thousands of years. I do know this. I trust God's timing. So no matter how, when, or where it happens, I'm just thrilled that according to verse 17, one day I will be with the Lord forever. Now, what happens to those who are left behind? You know, some teach that when Jesus returns, that, that's the end. Right? That's the end of the world. There'll be a judgment. People go to heaven, then to hell. Not even close. Now, when Jesus comes back at the rapture, the Christians are taken out of the world, and then all the non-Christians are still here. They're left to function on their own. And I'm sure they're going to have good explanations for our disappearance, right? Some are going to say, hey, there were aliens that came down and, and took them all away. Right? Others will have more logical answers, if you will. Uh, there's a theory in physics right now called string theory, and it postulates that there are parallel universes, right? other dimensions beyond our existence and beyond our dimension that are kind of parallel there, and human beings can just kind of slip from our dimension or our universe into that other dimension and disappear. People will have their explanations. And I'm sure at first they're going to be thinking, what a relief, right? All these Christian people are gone. Have their stinking ideals and beliefs imposed on us. 
they're going to be saying life is good. In fact, we know that because we know one of the signs that precedes the tribulation, which happens right after the rapture, is the people will say, at last, peace and safety. At last, peace and safety. We're going to see that next week when we get into chapter 5. But you know, without the influence of the Holy Spirit in this world, chaos will ensue. There's going to be a seven-year period of tribulation that will set the groundwork for the coming of the Antichrist, a world ruler who will attempt to unify the nations. That's another study for another time. All right, let's dive back into our text here. Next, we see that at the rapture, there will be a glorious reunion. Okay, it's a reunion with the Lord and with all the church-age believers. Verse 17 again. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. When we're gathered in the clouds, there's going to be a reunion of sorts that takes place. Now, Wendy and I, we've been traveling over the last couple of weeks. We've been at airports. And don't you love it when you're at an airport and you see people who haven't seen each other in a long time get reunited? Isn't that cool? Like, have you ever seen the reunion of a soldier coming back home? And wives will just run and cry, jump into their husband's arms. Little children will grab daddy around the neck and not let go. Parents will be sitting there rubbing it back with one hand, wiping away tears with the other. It's pretty moving. But just imagine what it's going to be like at the rapture of Christ when he brings with him all the dead in Christ. And there's that kind of reunion. There's that kind of joy. You know, I got to thinking about this. The Bible says that one of the first things that God will do is to wipe away our tears. And I started to think, well, you know, just maybe there'll be tears of joy. Tears of joy. I want us to all reflect for a minute. Just, just take a moment where you're at right now. I want you to think for a moment about those that you can't wait to be reunited with. Think about Christians in your life, individuals that you have known that have passed on before you, and you're going to get to see them. Yeah, for Wendy and I, we have a son that we lost in our final trimester, Maxwell Todd Threlkeld. I'll get to be introduced to him. I'll get to meet him for the first time. That's going to be awesome. I'll get to see my aunt. She was the only person in my family or extended family who prayed for me. The only strong Christian influence I had. But every single day, she prayed for my salvation until I came to know Jesus. Boy, she's going to be one of the first ones I run over and give a hug to. I get to see my dad and my father-in-law. I'm telling you people, it's going to be a powerful, emotionally moving experience on the day of the rapture. And what a thrill it'll be for Jesus to deliver a little child to a mom, to deliver a husband to a widow, a friend to the lonely. You know, one of the toughest things to do in life is to comfort someone who's lost a loved one. Like all we can say is, you know, I'm so sorry. I, I know that one day God's going to make it right. I know that one day you'll be reunited. And usually they'll groan and say, yeah, I, I just wish it were today. Wish it were today. Yeah, every once in a while, <laughs> somebody will say, you know, are we going to recognize each other in heaven? And I got to admit, that one's always kind of cracked me up. Like, if you don't know who I am, I'm going to tell you, right? I'm going to want you to know that I'm around. You know what I mean? I mean, we're going to be changed, but the Bible says we're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. We will recognize each other, and we're not going to need name tags, okay? There will be a glorious reunion, and we will be with the Lord forever. 
Let's talk about that term forever for just a second. You know, beyond the rapture, there are a whole bunch of sequences of events yet to occur after we meet in the clouds. I mean, you've got the tribulation, you've got the battle of Armageddon, the second coming of Christ to judge the world, the millennial kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth. But let's skip forward into the future and let's just talk about heaven for a second here. Can we do that? Because if you think heaven means we're all going to just sit on a cloud and strum on a harp, okay, that doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? I mean, I'm a musician. That sounds a little more like hell to me. Uh, it's not, I'm not looking forward to that. People, heaven, oh, man. Heaven is going to be a place of beauty beyond belief. The Bible says we're going to experience never-ending joy and ecstasy. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. If you want a good, fresh perspective on what heaven's going to be like, read the book by John Burke, Imagine Heaven, or Dr. Mary Neal's book, Seven Lessons from Heaven, or Randy Alcorn has a book that's simply called Heaven. All great books. And we can't know with 100% certainty, all right? But I think it's so good for us, so good for our soul to reflect upon, to dream about heaven. Jesus said in John 14, 2, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I really like the King James Version. It says, in my Father's house are many mansions. I think that's much more descriptive. Have you ever wondered what those mansions are going to be like? You know, I imagine in heaven there's going to be a learning mansion where we can learn about all the stuff we either didn't have time to learn about here on earth or couldn't learn about here on earth. I imagine in heaven there's going to be a mansion where we can kind of review the events of our lives, and, and God is going to show us very specifically times when he intervened, and we didn't even know it. You know, I imagine that in heaven I hope there's going to be a replay room where we can just, you know, punch it on, watch a video, maybe watch a replay of the events of the Bible as they occurred. How cool would that be to see all the Bible stories? I hope there's a Q&A room where we can sit down and Jesus is there, raise our hands and say, Jesus, why in the world did that happen when it did? Now, maybe there's going to be a reception room. You can meet Elijah, John the Baptist, Simon Peter, Moses, King David. You know, for me, I'm imagining there's going to be this, this giant, you know, rehearsal hall or music hall and all the best musicians are there and I can step in, me and Paul Mahola, because I'm Chris, and all the other guys can step in and jam along with them. But some of you guys, you're hoping there's going to be a clubhouse with a golf course outside, right, where you can sign up to play golf. It's the most luscious green you've ever seen. You know, the Bible says there's going to be a banquet. There's bound to be a banquet mansion where we go, and we can eat as much as we want, no calorie worries, no weight gain worries. In my Father's house are many mansions. Well, that ought to thrill our hearts. Which leads us to the final point in this passage. In verse 18, Paul talks about our response to all this. Like, what should our response be? Well, verse 18 says, Therefore, because of everything I've told you, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Paul says, when you think about what's to come, you should be so excited, you can't help but encourage others. In Titus 2.13, we're urged to always wait for the blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.8 says that for those who live their lives with a longing for Christ's return, there will be a reward. Look at what Paul says. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, 
the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let me ask you, in your heart of hearts, do you long for his appearing? And if not, why not? I know some Christians don't feel like they're ready yet. They wonder, well, will I face judgment? Well, the short answer is yes and no. There will be a judgment for believers. But you got to understand, Christian sins have already been paid for in full. You won't face judgment for your sins. You're going to be judged according to your good deeds, and then you'll be rewarded with eternal rewards or no rewards, okay? That's the judgment of Christ. You know, other people have an unfulfilled dream. You know, I've always dreamed of, of getting married. I've always dreamt of, of having kids. What if Jesus comes back before that happens? Let me tell you, if you have a desire, if you have a dream, and it's in line with God's desire for you, and he returns before that dream is fulfilled, somehow, some way, God will fulfill it in heaven. It may be in a way you never imagined, but you're not going to wish to come back to earth. I guarantee you that. So we should look forward to the rapture with eagerness, with excitement, with anticipation. You know, if we can plan ahead and look forward to a vacation or the release of a new book or a hot video game, like, how much more should we look forward to that day when the sky opens up and Jesus returns? And like anything else, part of the enjoyment is the anticipation. So we should live our lives thinking that at any moment, we could be reverse skydiving. It could happen this afternoon, any day. We're gone. A guy by the name of Fred Park tells the story of a man named Quill who lived in the eastern mountains of Kentucky. And Quill was always going out, and he was hunting, and he was fishing illegally. And the game warden knew it, but he could never catch the guy. And so finally, the game warden decided, okay, I'm going to secretly camp out. And he did that. He got about 20 yards up a cliff overlooking Quill's little cabin there. And he he nearly froze to death overnight. But he camped out all night. And the idea was, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to watch him. I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to nail him. I'm going to catch him this time. So dawn finally came, and... He heard Quill stirring around the cabin, and then he smelt the coffee brewing and biscuits baking in the oven. He said his stomach started to growl. And then a few minutes later, Quill steps out on the front porch and yells, well, you might as well come down here and have breakfast with me. Yeah, I, I know you're out there. Just go ahead and join me. Well, the game warden couldn't believe it. He's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So he walks down the cliff, walks into the house, and says, Quill, how did you know I was there? And Quill said, I didn't. I holler that every morning, just in case you are out there. (laughs) That's good. Because you and I, we don't know when we wake up every morning. We don't know if Jesus out there. Is he coming today? Is it going to be in my lifetime? Is it going to be today? So each and every morning, let me encourage you, Wake up and say, this could be the day. Man, I'm so excited. I could be with the Lord Jesus this very day. Try thinking about that daily. See if it doesn't change the way you live your life. I bet it will. At the outset of our passage, Paul said, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant. And people, after today's message, you're not ignorant about what's going to happen. You know the Bible teaches that Jesus is coming back. So it's foolish not to respond and say, I'm going to put my faith, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. There's a quaint inscription on a gravestone in an old British cemetery that reads, pause, my friend, as you walk by. 
As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare, my friend, to follow me. And then below it, a visitor who read that epitaph added this line. To follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. That's good. Let me just close with this. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, if you've never received his free gift of eternal life, if you're not 100% sure that Jesus comes back today, you're going to be raptured with him, let me invite you in this moment to get right with God. You can do it right here, right now, right where you're sitting. Pray with me. Lord, I do pray for anybody here in this room, if they're not confident that they are yours, that they would recognize there is nothing they have to do. Salvation is a free gift by faith alone. Jesus, you paid the price in full on the cross for all of our sins, and you guarantee eternal life and forgiveness to anyone who just believes you for it. So let me just encourage you, if you want to know for sure that you were his, just say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Savior. I believe you died for my sins, and I believe by faith that you have given me forgiveness and eternal life, and I thank you for it. Lord, for the rest of us here, I know that I speak for them when I say, I I can hardly wait until the day when I see you face to face. Lord, to wrap my arms around you, just thank you and hug you profusely for your great sacrifice. When I see those scars in your hands, and I remember the penalty you paid on the cross for my sins. Lord, I can hardly wait for the day when I stand with millions, hundreds of millions of believers, perhaps billions in your kingdom, and sing and rejoice in you. Lord, I'm looking for the day, forward to the day when I get that perfect body. I'm not going to wake up with neck pain and sciatic issues and all these other things. Lord, all the stuff we struggle with here, it's going to be all gone. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more emotional agony or grief or anguish. Completely healed. And God, I pray that as we live our lives now, that the enjoyment of living here on earth would never overtake the anticipation of what's to come because whatever we enjoy here is just a fraction of what you have in store for us, that we would live with eternity in mind. God, I pray that the truth of the rapture would be in our hearts in a brand new way this week. That as we think about you coming, that would affect who we are in every way, shape, and form. The way we think, the way we talk, and the way we live. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, my friends, let me just encourage you. When you wake up tomorrow morning, first thought of today, okay? First thought, it could be today. Jesus could be coming. Have a great week.